welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Ryan Key. Hi, Adam. Hi, Ryan. Hi, everyone out there. I'm Nick Genbarian. Hey, dude. What's up? Sup, sup, sup. We haven't hung out in a while because of our front-loading of original trilogy episodes. It's wonderful <laughs> to see my friends tonight. I know. Hella front-heavy. <laughs> I haven't talked about Star Wars at all. Can you believe it? That's a lie. I don't believe you. Nick's been on a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast this whole time. <laughs> as, as we are speaking right now, my girlfriend's watching uh, Star Trek Voyager. You can be a fan of many things. It's true. Yeah. It's allowed. <laughs> you know, some of like the most important people in pop culture came from Star Trek. Are Star Wars fans at the same time? It's all good. We're all friends. It's just like fun to talk shit to each other. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Just don't make it weird, you know? I've stayed so far away from Star Trek that I don't even have crap to talk <laughs> yeah. it's never even been on the peripheral like on the edge of my knowledge so if i see someone who's into star trek i'm just like oh cool i, I haven't i don't know anything about that but cool just think it's like star wars only not as good <laughs> <laughs> no comment moving on <laughs> what are we here for today fellas we're doing something really fun agreed this is something that is half out of i'm gonna say three halves here <laughs> half out of necessity half out of just something fun to kind of ponder and debate. And then the third half, because that's how halves work. I literally have people hitting me up on a regular basis asking, okay, man, I'm about to show so-and-so Star Wars for the first time. What order should we watch them in? Even big Star Wars fans. Yeah. They're kind of coming to us now that this podcast is becoming a thing. I have people hitting me up on a regular basis. God, I hope I'm qualified to be a part of something like that. <laughs> You have a podcast. You are. What you say right now is it's, it's gospel. It's like giving out professional medical advice, you know? Do that, you too. You got to know. You got to know. Do that, too. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, man, I got this cream when I was in Japan. Check it out. All right. So we could approach this different ways. And when I originally kind of proposed this to you dudes, Ryan, I guess I didn't clarify. You were thinking, what order would you watch them in personally? And you had... You know, that, that's couched in all kinds of opinions and things, but I think the cooler way is to do exactly what we talked about if you're introducing Star Wars to somebody who's never seen it. Yeah, I, don't, I think it was also more than it was just how would I watch them. I was just a little overwhelmed with like, oh man, because I, I know there are so many clever, interesting versions of this discussion out there, and I couldn't really find anything other than like release order in my head. It was like, well, that's how I want to watch it. That's how it's supposed to be watched maybe or something. I had. Yeah. So I was a little overwhelmed with coming up with something more original or inspired than that. And then when you mentioned, think about it like you're watching it for your first time and or showing it to someone for the first time, that changed the game for me. So when we get into it, my presentation, I cannot take credit for. I'm, I'm stealing it from someone else, but I agree with it on every level. So I feel confident presenting it to everyone as what I would choose now. Like it's, I want to go start watching it tonight in this order when we get done. I think I'm going to. Dude, I, I started feeling the same way when I was doing research and there were things, I was watching clips from different movies and things and people talking about them and it just got me stoked. It got me so stoked. So hopefully <laughs> you listeners will be stoked as well. We should say, if you happen to be listening to this episode as a person who's new to Star Wars and maybe someone directed you to this episode, there will be a lot of spoilers. So this is probably so not many. The, this is not the episode to listen to. Have someone who you trust and who is a fan listen and then just give you the sequence. 
because it's going to be tough for us to list them off without going straight into spoilers. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But if you're like, screw it, I'm just going to listen, you should know the following. (laughs) Star Wars did not come out in sequence one through nine. And there also are two other films. So we're talking about 11 films altogether here. We've got the Skywalker saga, the story of Anakin and Luke Skywalker. And I'll stop saying things now because trying to go easy on the spoilers. And then we've got (laughs) Rogue One, which takes place right in the middle of one of the films. And then we have Solo, a Star Wars story, which takes place during a time period that we don't really see so much from in the other films, but it's about Han Solo, one of the main characters. So there's important stuff in all of that. It's not just kind of like, they aren't just additional pieces of flair on the suspenders of Achatsky's uh, <laughs> server. They're, they're important films, and we think they deserve to kind of be put in. There's a lot of really important stuff in the animated series as well, but there are so many damn episodes of especially the Clone Wars, it's tough. So for the purpose of this episode... We're just going to talk about the 11 films. We'll probably revisit this whole thing with kind of like a definitive guide on what episodes to watch. If you maybe wanted to do a full-blown binge, here's like your dozen Clone Wars episodes. Here's your half dozen Rebels, whatever. But that's for another time. I think this could be like a living, like a living episode. You know, it's like we can come back to it and change it as we get more content with with Obi-Wan and Cassian Andor and all this stuff coming up. Yeah. As we get those shows, we can come back and put them in. We could do prequels and sequels to our own podcast. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And in true George Lucas fashion, just keep editing the existing ones. And every time you come back, you'd be like, did they say, I swear they said something in this one episode, (laughs) but it's not there. Yeah, that's going to happen. Nick shot first. Nick's Nick's voice sounds digitally altered. It's like Nick's walking, but then he like goes up in a weird way. And then (laughs) Java makes this sound. I have a best friend from high school who's 40 also that has never seen a film and she's super down we're we're big time movie buddies it's one of the things we've stayed in touch with our whole entire life and she's one of my closest friends and so at some point there will be a hang and finally a a watch of star wars and so that's why when we were talking earlier today i was asking you some of the rules about what we do it's because i was thinking about watching it with her actually and she's an adult and so i was actually kind of thinking well what would i do to watch it with my friend for the first time. And I think, though, what I discovered in my research works for both. I do. Sweet. All right, so let's get to it. So again, we're approaching this as if we're introducing Star Wars to like a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid or something. I think, personally, it's a little tougher for an adult because you have to think about all the expectations that come along with movie watching as an adult, thinking about old visual effects, puppets, CG, like all the stuff that, for people who don't have the nostalgic connection, may not age as well. But for kids, I think it's much easier. It all works. So I'm thinking, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid, kind of impressionable early days, just everything's new. You're seeing all these movies for the first time. But this happens to be a kid whose parents have made an egregious error in child rearing (laughs) by depriving their youngling of the joy of Star Wars, but in realizing the emotional peril in which they've put their child by letting them just putter along through life without the wisdom of Star Wars to guide them, they, of course, reach out to us <laughs> and say, Dear at Thank the Micropod, what is the first order in which our emotionally impoverished child should experience the 11 Star Wars films? Help us thank the Micropod. You're our only hope. I love that. Put a lot of work into well. that, guys. <laughs> so who wants to go first? I'm ready. And this is, this is uh, I haven't done this on my own. But I feel like it works and you get the heaviness of everything. It's just a little long because you have to watch 
some things twice. <laughs> so I okay. think it's important. I think it's important to get the heaviness and the world changingness of the original trilogy. So you watch the original trilogy first, episode four, episode five, episode six, to get the meat of the story, the essence of what Star Wars is and always will be, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. This way, you know, the heaviness of all of those characters are represented in the prequels and the sequels. So that's the meat, that's the stuffing and and a double stuffed Oreo right there is those those original <laughs> trilogies all those characters so many things are heavy in the prequels and the sequels because of the original trilogy so i say absolutely you start with the original trilogy and there's some things that wouldn't really have any heaviness whatsoever if you started one two three so i say you start with original trilogy episode four episode five episode six and then you go to episode one the phantom menace Episode two, Attack of the Clones. Episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Then you fill in. I say you just go into Solo. Then you go into Rogue One. And then you go back to episode four, Star Wars. <laughs> episode five, Empire Strikes Back. Second helping. Episode six, Return of the Jedi. And then you do the sequel trilogy. The Force Awakens. Episode eight, The Last Jedi. Episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. I think that you have to start with the meat of the story, which is four, five, and six, and then just go back to the beginning and watch everything in order, because that is the only way to get the heaviness of everything. If you just start with one, two, and three for me, why do you care at all that there are two children at the end of episode three? You don't know what's happening to, like, who are those kids? When you see Luke and Leia born, it only is heavy because you know it's Luke and Leia. If you don't know what is coming up in episode four and episode five and episode six, that's a really bummer ending of a trilogy. It's like, oh, there's two kids. That's cool. So to me, that that's that's a big thing, which makes it important to watch four, five, and six first, because you then watch Anakin Skywalker rise and fall and turn into Darth Vader, and you see Luke and Leia being born, which is the chunk of four, five, and six. So to me, mine's a little long, but I... Uh, I feel like that's the way to get the gravitas of all of Star Wars is to watch those original ones and then just do everything in sequential order after that. So you're almost trying to, for a new viewer, recreate the experience of someone our age or older. Yeah, because I just I just don't think that there's as much depth unless you know what's at stake. And I'm not sure episode one, two, and three have a lot at stake if you don't know what's coming up. Word. I also think young or old, the VFX in the original trilogy hold up yeah. better than the ones in the prequel trilogy. Fully. To me. Yeah. With yeah. the exception of some things, in, obviously like the, the final duel in Revenge of the Sith, some of those things like that, those big moments that were just like, amazing and and the combat you know the lightsaber battles mm -hmm. and stuff we've also we talked about a lot but in general like the space battles even in a new hope i feel like even as an adult i mean you might be like oh this movie's kind of disco it's, it's like 70s disco but it still doesn't look like someone's like stop motion photography with spaceships flying around like yeah it looks <laughs> insane yeah it's great and if you're watching with an adult you know a little preface of hey when you're watching this and you see all the, all these lasers and spaceships and everything that's happening. They invented all of this in 1975 yeah. and 1976. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a kind of thing you could sell to an adult to watch it. Yeah. As far Which as is part of the point. Think about this though. You say yeah. adult and this blows my mind every time I'm in line, like at the grocery store or somewhere or like a 7-Eleven that says you must be this age to buy alcohol. If you weren't born before 1999, whatever, yeah. I'm like, hold up. Yeah. It's about to be <laughs> 2000 to buy beer. It's about to yeah. be 2000. So adults are, I know, I know people in their twenties. So yeah. I'm interested, and I, I've heard this from, um, like, there was somebody who, a girl who was a host on a podcast I listened to, a, a science podcast, and she went back and watched for the first time the original trilogy, and her thing was, nobody gave me a heads up about the damn puppet. What is the, this puppet shit? <laughs> like, she, she just did not take it yeah. the way that you would expect right. an adult to, because she's kind of in that in-between area. So the effects hold up great for us, but I think some people are like, What? This is the movie. Well, yeah, okay, but then then you're talking about the whole thing. The, this our whole process here needs to be broken down into like generational viewing order, it could, could which could be, be a yeah. thing. Which could be a thing. But in in general, I just think. I mean, I w- I would agree, and I'll get into mine when it's time. But I would agree with starting with the original trilogy for sure. Yeah, I mean, if in you're going to start sport. anything, why would you not? You want to start with the best. You want people to watch all eleven almost like a teacher grading something on a curve then you get to watch the phantom menace knowing where it's heading eventually and then you get to experience four five and six again why not let's just go back and watch those bad boys again they're so good what's wrong with that what's wrong with watching all of those movies twice nothing (laughs) (laughs) it just turns 11 to 14 if you have time to watch 11 movies you got time to watch 14 all right ryan okay your turn. So as I said, I was a little, uh, I felt this task a bit daunting and I didn't know what to do when you brought it up because in my initial reaction, very similar actually to Nick with not thinking creatively to reinsert the original trilogy again so that it has like even more impact after the prequels was just release order because that's the way I feel that it's supposed to be experienced, right? But then you mentioned watching it for the first time. I thought about a friend of mine Again, maybe I should have kept this more only in like childlike view, but I still think my research led to something that works amazing for all ages that I tend to personally, now that I've read about it and investigated it, agree with like wholeheartedly. In my mind now, this is it. This is the only way. But that said, I'm leaving a film out of the initial viewing order. And then I had, and there's like supplemental viewing at the end. For you, this is the final order. Yeah, this is the final <laughs> order, yes. There's a core viewing that must happen first before supplemental viewing, which includes one of the films from the Skywalker saga. Because I was like, can I just leave this off? And you're like, no. And then, I, I, okay. This is not Nam, there are rules. <laughs> but the order that I, that I found has been amended to include the sequel trilogy and actually does add in the supplemental stuff in the same way that I would have it there. Does it have a name? Yeah, you're about to predict it. (laughs) Is it the machete order? Yes, that's it. That's the one. That was my go-to for a long time. But you have a new one now, so I'm not, it's not, we're not redundant here. Correct. I don't know what this is. I'm excited. Uh, See, okay, great. It's pretty, it's (laughs) pretty good. I don't feel like lame for not coming up with my own because I learned something doing this and I hope I'm going to teach the people listening something cool about a way to watch Star Wars. So this is not my own theory or viewing order. It was written by a gentleman named Rod Hilton who has a blog called nomachetejuggling.com and the title of the blog is Rod Hilton's Rants About Software Development, Technology, and Sometimes Star Wars. (laughs) So it's called Machete Order. 
And I'll start with a couple of things, and I'm just going to try to run through the points, the broad stroke points he makes of why this works. Episode order. That would be watching episode one, The Phantom Menace, through to episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. You can sum up what's wrong with that in two issues that he brings up, and I agree with them both. It ruins one of the biggest twists in movie history by Darth Vader revealing that he's Luke Skywalker's father. Huge. You already know that if you watch it in episode order. And second, the prequels don't really have a story. They're just background for the real story, which is Luke and his new friends trying to defeat the Empire. A lot of these are quotes from Rod Hilton, by the way. I'll just say that as you hear me speaking these. George Lucas put out A New Hope first because that was the best story in his mind. So the other option you could do is watch in release order, which is what I initially like leaned towards was episode four, A New Hope, through episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. The biggest issue there that Rod Hilton brings up that I agree with is that there's just this one. It's Hayden at the end of Jedi. It's really, you can't get the despecialized versions of the films. Everyone's going to be watching the Disney Plus version now, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and so you see Hayden Christensen at the end of Return of the Jedi, and it's just like this young dude standing there. Who is this guy? You know what I mean? It doesn't track, especially after you've seen Vader. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> after you've seen Anakin in his old age before he passes, you know. So I think that's one of the biggest issues. And, and things as a viewer, you'd be like, what? When you get to the end of Return of the Jedi. Who is this Jedi in this most important moment culminating the end of this trilogy, you know? So that brings you to Machete Order. It's named Machete just because of its blog, but I also like it because it kind of chops up the films in a cool way. So it's That's got what a I thought it was. Machete yeah. vibe. So did I. Okay, Machete Order goes like this, and then t- I'll break it down after. Episode 4, A New Hope. Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, Episode 7, The Force Awakens, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. That's it. There's no Solo, there's no Rogue One, and there's no Phantom Menace. Now, those go in their own order at the end, which I can list when I get down to the bottom, and I will because I'm required by the rules to include them. (laughs) But this order of eight films, I think, is how you watch the Skywalker saga, which is the most important thing in Star Wars right now, to date, until we get, you know, new trilogies and whatever the new stories are going to be. So he just makes a few points. Effectively, this order keeps the story focused on Luke's tale, which I also think is the most important thing. Now, here's a big thing. Why would you take episode one out? This is not made just to bag on it because it's not a good movie. Streamlining the story, especially for someone who's watching it for the first time, episode one serves no purpose. And where you pick up in episode two is so right on. So you go straight from, no, I am your father right into the backstory of Anakin Skywalker and not right in the backstory of pod racing little kid Anakin Skywalker right into he's training he's being trained by Obi-Wan who you also know now trouble you know, teenager he, he's kind of whiny and complainy just like Luke has been up to this point until he's broken by by Vader at the end of Empire so here's some things about episode one that he brings up that I agree with and I think makes this point stick every character established in episode one is either killed or removed before it ends Darth Maul Qui-Gon Chancellor Valerum Newt Gunray Watto or established better in a later episode, Mace Windu, Darth Sidious. You know, I think that's all true. Qui-Gon obviously would be the biggest thing in episode one that you're missing, but I agree with the idea that jumping in after Empire Strikes Back to see Anakin and Obi-Wan right away is so much more effective to propel the story forward. Here's a thing in episode one that I never really thought about, but I think Lucas tried to kind of recreate the reveal by the Sidious-Palpatine thing. The Chancellor is the Emperor. Right. But Sidious is in episode one so much that you don't have to be that clever to realize it's the same guy. Right. Same right. actor, you know? So it's not even really a reveal. But if you watch it in two, starting with episode two, 
Dooku is off and running. The trade dispute is all him. You know, the separatists are all running by him. He just has a master that is kind of ominous, and you don't—there is nowhere near as much screen time to give it away. So it's, it is much more of a plot twist when you realize that Palpatine is Sidious, is the emperor. You get the prophecy a little bit in episode three because that's something you'd miss out on in episode one. They don't talk about the prophecy as much. Yeah, I was going to ask. You, you, they do. Yoda, most importantly, toward the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, talks about the prophecy, and mm. it becomes a little more clear what it what it means and what it is. And then, then the whole bringing balance to the Force as you go forward in the story makes sense, especially in the you know as they move into the sequel trilogy, just the whole light and dark balance, all that. It, it, it still explains itself if you watch it this way. You don't need episode one for that. One thing that, that's cleared up right away at the beginning of episode two that you might think, well, what about Padme in episode one? Padme says the line, the little boy I knew on Tatooine, right at the beginning, first scene, basically, of episode two. So you already established that they know each other. They've known each other since they were kids. That all tracks to me. Here's a little one I never thought about, but consistent costumes for Obi-Wan and Anakin. Obi-Wan has a beard for all of two and three, and Anakin wears all black in all of two of three. It's much less confusing master, Padawan, and Sith master and apprentice. Darth Maul was Sidious's apprentice in one. He dies. He's gone. What was the point of him being the, the apprentice in that? It's way more effective if you just watch and, okay, Dooku is this evil lord that's being trained by a bigger lord, you know? Can I take this moment to point out, I forgot to do this in Attack of the Clones, Ewan McGregor's fake beard in the reshoots <laughs> <laughs> looks like when Beavis and Butthead cut their hair to glue on beards. <laughs> it looks Wait, like when... where is it? I don't think I know that he has a fake beard. It's in the elevator going up to Padme's apartment. I mean, it's all over. It looks wow. It's not like full and beautiful like yours. It looks like yeah. glued on. It looks <laughs> like when high school kids do plays and you have oh to be yeah. like How a bearded guy. That? I have not noticed that. Maybe I've been checking out Hunky Hayden while Obi-Wan's on, yeah. on screen all, at the same time. All that glistening <laughs> chest sweat we talk yeah. about. I had no or idea. Or it's like Gary's Durka Durka costume in Team America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think two big things this does that I love that he points out is that this preserves the surprise, obviously, that Darth Vader is Luke's father. I mean, that's core to the whole thinking of what's the viewing order of Star Wars oh, to me. absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's the one. Because episode order just doesn't work however you slice it to reveal that and not have mm-hmm. it be revealed in episode five. So that's the most important thing here. But another cool thing is that it preserves the surprise that Yoda, the Jedi Master who trained Obi-Wan, is the tiny green guy on Dagobah. Because if you watched the prequels first, you're going to know who Yoda is. And then when Luke goes to Dagobah and Yoda shows up in more Muppet-like fashion. Why is he doing that? It's That's Yoda. You know, you know it, it doesn't hold the weight, and we've referenced this scene so many times, and we've played the audio. When Frank Oz drops that octave on you, when he goes from like, take your two in my will to, you will be. You know, it's so gnarly. And watching the prequels first, I just don't think that would be as effective. Puppet or not, <laughs> you know? So... I think it just gives a lot of extra dimension to Yoda to watch it this way, to see who he is, you know, as a character in Empire and then go back to see him on the council in two and three. I think there's a few things that don't work that he brings up and I agree with, but they're not game changers. Anakin going back to Tatooine, we don't really know the story behind his mom being a slave. So that whole scene doesn't quite hold as much weight. But in Mm -hmm. my mind, in my mind, you still know it's his mother. So, like, watching the film and knowing his rage for them killing her, the slave story isn't really the important part. 3PO calls him the maker when he goes back to Tatooine. That's probably a little confusing because you never saw the backstory of the fact that he built 3PO. But again, 
not the end of the world and I don't think takes away from watching them in this order. And then Qui-Gon, as I mentioned, in not being present at all, but he's only mentioned a couple of times in episodes two and three. And the more important thing I stand by is that we're jumping right into Obi-Wan training Anakin because we need Anakin to serve Luke's story, not the other way around, I think. While Lucas may kind of evolved over time into saying, well, this was Anakin's story all along, bringing a balance to the force. And well, now we do have the sequel trilogy. So like it or not, it's there. And Luke plays out his destiny in those films. And it's way more about Luke than it is about Anakin and Luke's sacrifice in the end. So I think that Machete Order is the way because I just love the idea of the prequels kind of being a more action-packed backstory in between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, right after you find out who Anakin is, right after you Mm -hmm. find out that it's Darth Vader, I do think that episode one doesn't really serve the story. And two and three do. Even if they're not the best Star Wars films, there's so much more meat and information um, and story-propelling stuff. I think there's a good point there, too, that you brought up. There's just not a lot of, like, through lines from one into two. There's kind of enough, like almost like pickup story beats in episode two that you don't have to watch a whole movie for in episode one. I mean, I was going to ask, yeah, you... like, if you get the full sense of Anakin being the chosen one, since that is a big chunk of what, you know, motors the Phantom Menace. But if you get enough of a sense of it in two and three, then, yeah, sounds like a killer order. Well, I think you are going to lose a little bit of that, of the chosen one part. I think you yeah. are going to lose that. But I think if you step back and look at the film's one through nine as a whole, Anakin's whole chosen one thing isn't really the point. You know, again, Mm -hmm. Luke and his friends defeating the empire is the point. That's the story of Star Wars. That's where this all was born, you know? And Luke Starkiller is where this was born. I don't think the chosen one thing is make or break. I I think there's so much cool stuff, you know, Kenobi talking about Anakin Skywalker in episode four, Yoda talking about your father, Powerful Jedi was he in episode five. There's a lot of stuff to where, boom, you see Anakin in the Starfighter at the beginning of two, and you're like, okay, sweet. We're now learning about this legendary Jedi turned evil Sith Lord. And yeah. I think it's in there. You know what I mean? The prophecy is a little weakened. You're, you're right. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think that that's really the make or break thing in the story. And it's up for debate whether Vader's death actually brought balance to the Force Anyways, mm-hmm. Ben Solo was still on his way. Right. Well, I think the idea is that it's the ebb and flow of the force, that balance is brought back and then it goes out of balance again. You know, I agree with that completely. That's why I'm saying this whole concept from the beginning that he was going to be the Jesus Christ of this story and fix, mm-hmm. fix everything, you know, and then that was going to be the end of the story. I think the prophecy thing and the chosen one thing leans a little bit more on that. I think watching it this way, you kind of get rid of that. And you just realize he was, he's just a very impactful character, you know, and the father yeah. of Luke and Leia. I think that's mm-hmm. more than anything the fault of the sequels. As much as I love the sequels, they did kind of devalue the chosen one prophecy. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that talk about, did you really want to see Darth Vader as a little kid anyways? You know, that's part of the story. A little kid might want to see it. You're right. You do have a point there. And I'm the one who talks about these movies are for kids all the time. So I get that. But imagine a world where you didn't see that. You just jumped into the backstory of Anakin Skywalker and his training as a Jedi and his turn to the dark side. 
that's the meat and potatoes of Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker's story and in turn becomes Luke's story. You could imagine that world, but in this world where George Lucas wanted to tell these stories, including little kid Anakin, so where do you put the Phantom Menace? It has to go somewhere. I'm going to take a beat from Nick and do a repeat because after you've watched them all and you're madly in love with Star Wars and you realize that it's the greatest fault of your life that you— Your life has been shit to this point. Even if you're only 11 years old— you still, man, you've done all 11 wrong, and you realize that. You're going to want to watch them again. Ice cream sucks. <laughs> the roller coasters suck. Minecraft sucks. Everything sucked until now. <laughs> okay, so I would say you go back after you're done with those eight and watch Rogue One right into A New Hope. Word. Because it's sick, and Rogue One oh, yeah. rules, and starting over again, <laughs> that way it would be so rad. So everything else, you just do it however you want. Phantom Menace, Solo, Holiday Special. Is there a shuffle on uh, Disney Plus, a shuffle button? Just throw them in wherever you want. I think on second viewing, I thought about this, on second viewing, since you've already seen the Anakin backstory, it might be cool if you're going to do the same machete order again, drop Solo in after the Empire Strikes Back, right after Han gets frozen in Carbonite, Mm -hmm. to kind of go back and see his backstory and how he became the smuggler that he is. Smuggle bus. But otherwise, I don't have a good place for the Phantom Menace, except maybe go through machete twice with those two suggestions, adding Rogue One and Solo, and then... Watch it if you want to see what Anakin Skywalker was like when he was nine years old. Captain's Log, supplemental. (laughs) Machete order for the win. I think the machete order is dope. And until I read some things leading up to the Rise of Skywalker and then created my own kind of hybrid of a few different ones, I was fully on board with the machete order. But then I went back and watched everything again, and I forced myself to choose an order of favorites. And that had me rethinking things. And I have a revised now post episode nine, really complex, over the top order that is just so my damn personality to just do too much. But here it is. Also, I have a quote that is a retort to your feelings about episode one and its value that I could play now, but I'll play it after instead. Okay. If we try to reach a consensus, this could be helpful. So. I'm thinking about Harry Potter a little bit going into this because the first couple Harry Potter movies are kids' movies, straight up. And I didn't get past the first two for years until this year, actually, because I was like, oh, this shit's kind of for kids. But everybody's like, no, dude, trust me. You, once you watch three, you know, like you were saying this exact thing to me. And it totally, that's it. That's the reality of Harry Potter. You get past those first couple and then it grows up. You grow up with the films. I imagine being a kid being like 12 years old watching those first two, and then by the end, you're a young adult, and it's like, damn, this is my favorite shit in the world, if you like magic. So, my order will be... Harry Potter. (laughs) First Harry (laughs) Potter, then... uh, So, one, two, four, pause at the Yavin briefing, watch Rogue One, then finish, four, a new hope. Five, three, solo, six, seven, eight, nine. So to review, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, A New Hope, stopping at the Yavin briefing, watching Rogue One, then you finish A New Hope, go to Empire Strikes Back, Revenge of the Sith, Solo, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. So to explain this, because it's all over the place, it's almost like serialized TV, kind of the way I'm seeing it. So you start with The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones just to kind of get into the universe, introduce key concepts. And you get the Duel of the Fates. I mean, Uh, there's no denying that battle. That's just epic. 
and you get into Attack of the Clones, you jump ahead pretty far in time. So that's interesting right off the bat. It's, oh, wow, it's 10 years in. Weird. Okay. And then this prophecy stuff is now starting to like come to fruition. There's drama and Anakin knowing that he's the chosen one and he's disappointed in himself. He's feeling all these feelings he shouldn't. So it gets kind of heavy. And then that movie ends with this foreboding vibe. There's, you know, all these mysteries we've talked about before, this kind of like detective story almost. These clones are here. We don't know what's going on. Shit's about to go down. It's kind of foreboding, but we still don't know what's going to happen with Anakin Skywalker. We don't know he's going to become Darth Vader. So at this point, we jump ahead to A New Hope. Right off the bat, we see our old friends, 3PO and R2. So that's familiar. Then we meet this kid named Luke. We don't know who this is yet. We don't know it's Luke Skywalker. We don't even hear his name, Luke Skywalker, until later. But all these awesome pieces start to fall in place. He goes chasing R2, gets saved by this old wizard. Turns out to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's that amazing scene there where he reveals that. And then we go back to his house, and Obi-Wan starts telling all the stories about the Empire and everything going to shit as sort of foreshadowed at the end of Attack of the Clones. And Luke asks... You fought in the Clone Wars, which is perfect given the fact that Attack of the Clones ends with Yoda's line, begun the Clone War has. Ben tells him about the fall of the Jedi, Darth Vader, who betrayed and murdered his father, all this sick stuff, but he still hasn't said Skywalker yet, just little clues and stuff, right? And then later we hear Tarkin saying that the Senate has been dissolved by the Emperor. Who the hell is the Emperor? You know, the last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away, that whole kind of thing. It's like, wow, we're in like this dystopian future of the story that we know so far. And then Vader starts talking about the power of the force. You see him actually force choke somebody. This dude's talking about your sad devotion to this ancient religion. So it's this very dark time, but with a new hope of this kid, Luke Skywalker. He's potentially force sensitive and he's kind of starting on this path. And it all builds up to this sweet moment where we're going to pause right at the Yavin briefing. At 139, this is the Disney Plus version, at 139, right when they show up at the Rebel base with R2, Leia says, you must use the information in this R2 unit to help plan the attack. It's our only hope, right? And they plug in R2 with the plans, and you see up on the screen, the Death Star comes up. Stop right there. Go watch Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So you get the backstory, TV show style. That's done. Resume A New Hope. Right when the briefing actually starts, they win. Holy shit. That's amazing. Then, watch Empire Strikes Back. You see Obi-Wan's ghost, Force Ghost. That's the first we're still seeing of that. He says, go to Dagobah. There you'll learn from Yoda. And you're like, oh shit, Yoda. That whole thing's amazing. Luke's training, all that rules, right? Then, it ends pretty rough. Hans and Carbonite, like Ryan, you said. There's the big reveal, the I am your father reveal. But we don't know if that's real or not, because we only know Anakin as the person. This Darth Vader dude is just a new villain. And there were actually people at the time that thought maybe it was misdirection. It was maybe bullshit. There were all these theories like, no, 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 no. That's not what Obi-Wan said. What if it's this? You know, before the internet, people were still hanging out in comic book stores or whatever, just (laughs) talking about this crap, thinking maybe it was a lie. So that's interesting. So then you back up, watch Revenge of the Sith, and confirm that it wasn't bullshit. You witness the birth of the Empire It's like, oh, God, this is how it happened. This is how it got so bad, right? We then watch Solo, because that's in between. We get Han's backstory while he's frozen in carbonite, see the Empire growing, etc. Then jump ahead, finish the original trilogy with Return of the Jedi. It's a big happy ending. Our heroes are all stoked. 
Balance is brought back to the Force for the moment with Anakin's redemption. Fairy tale happy ending. Then we pick up 30 years later. Everything is kind of shitty again, but we've got this new protagonist. The son of Han and Leia is this dark side villain. Shit's kind of crazy. Han dies. Luke's missing. And we're off on this new adventure. Then in The Last Jedi, we get a lot of references to the prequels, talking about the hubris of the Jedi and everything that had gone wrong. Pretty gnarly ups and downs there. Ray kind of flirting with the dark side. Then The Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine is back, who ultimately is the villain of the entire 11 movie saga. Whether or not he's central to any of the movies, he's been the dude since the very beginning. Yeah. So he comes back and then he's central to Ray's story. But everybody all together, all the Jedi, pulling from everything, they finally defeat the greatest Sith Lord of all time. And we get the biggest, happiest fairy tale ending of all. I love this order because you don't blow any of the reveals, so you get all the big wow moments, yeah. but it's still mostly in order, and you kind of see the evolution of how Jedi deal with love, which is kind of central to this whole thing. So the prequels is, it's forbidden, so just like get it, hide it, strangle it, do anything you can to just like control it. The original trilogy, in Luke's case, Love is just not in the cards for him, really. It's only family. And then the sequel trilogy is about embracing it and not being that rigid Jedi sort of like priesthood abstinence thing. Love, in the end, is what saves the galaxy. The love between Rey and Kylo, they save each other. They save the galaxy. So you see that evolution of it. But you preserve all the other heavy stuff, the big reveals that we all got experiencing it in release order. Case closed. <laughs> I like it. If you can edit it so like my mom could watch it without all the pausing, going back and forth, I think I like it. Well, you, if you had to do it for your mom like that, you could move Rogue One after A New Hope instead yeah. of in the middle of it. Yeah. I like that. As a film viewer, I think that's super cool, stopping at the scene and then watching it go up to that scene again. Yeah. Because it's pretty similar in theory and concept to both of ours. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think the one thing that I like about the machete one better than that is the Yoda part. The charm of seeing the prequels and Yoda being backstory, it's one of the redeeming qualities of the prequels to me. And I, and I mean that by saying when I saw it for the first time. Mm -hmm. When I went in and saw it for the first yeah. time and I got to see Yoda as a younger Yoda and, you know, battling Dooku and all the crazy battling Palpatine, all those things you get to see after you've seen him in Empire— I think the idea that you see him as that kind of young battling version before you see him in Empire isn't as cool to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that for sure. But it's also cool. Like anyone who you saw in a movie prior, you're thinking, oh, we, who knows if we're going to see this character again. When they show up, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. It's Yoda. There's the idea of him showing up and, and now he's playing that character to Luke and you know. You, you the viewer, are like in on the secret. So there's that. Yeah, because you're thinking when you see A New Hope, you're like, oh my God, everyone's dead. <laughs> Everyone that I thought was cool, except for Obi-Wan, is dead. Mm -hmm. And there's this new kid, but what else? And then you see Yoda, you're like, oh shit, something's happening. Right. Do you think that with both of those, I'm just thinking of things to bring up right now. Do you think that it would be at all jarring to a first time viewer to bounce back and forth between video quality and cgi quality and all that type of stuff you know what i'm saying like when you're in the prequel era original trilogy era sequel trilogy era it all 
flows, you know? If you do the bouncing back and forth, you're going to be like, well, why does this look like this compared to Rogue One or whatever, you know? Well, I think that's where we come into the discussion of, like, do we need to do these based on generation and have, like, yeah. three separate yeah. episodes, one for 12 and under, one for, like, 13 to 30, 13 to 25 or whatever, you know? I yeah. think going at the core idea of do all three of our ideas work for, you know, a, a kid that's old enough to really experience it, you know, a 10 mm-hmm. to 12 year old kid. I think that's around the age when you can really understand the dynamic of the characters and relationships and what's at stake. Then I don't think it would matter as much. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think you would notice sure. it as much at that age. I think, you know, showing it to my 40 year old friend, I think you, you have, you have a point there, but think about the idea of watching it with an adult, like the disclaimers you get to make, you know, you get to say, yeah. Hey, this is going to happen while we're watching these, but what's important is the story of Luke Skywalker and his friends yeah. trying to defeat the Empire. But there's also the special edition stuff, which is older CG, so it's all kind of sprinkled in there yeah, enough. For sure. That it's not- yeah, I think the special edition and prequel bounce back and forth would make some sense because of that, because of yeah, the, the same that. exact tech was used. Dude, also, this is a big point, actually. The people that I've showed it to, adults who haven't seen it, if I start with A New Hope, they're like, oh my God, 20 minutes in, just like, this is the movie? Yeah. Like these <laughs> dorky robots in the desert, this is the movie? <laughs> but if you watch one and two first, you know those two droids. So you're like, what the hell are they doing? What's out? Like, what are they going to do? They're, are they going to die out in the desert? These droids that I love already? Yeah. And especially for a little kid, that's a slow movie to start with. Yeah. But, but we're not going to be able to agree on like a consensus over that because I'm convicted in how I feel about jumping right back into Anakin's backstory. Well, let me play something for you that I know you've heard before, but I cut it down to like three and a half minutes because it was twice that long. You had this ready. You prepared this for me. I anticipated this <laughs> and I came prepared. This really solidifies it for me. The idea that you can't just skip The Phantom Menace, that it's essential. Where to put it? Is up for debate, but I think it's essential. This is our friend Dave Filoni, creator of The Clone Wars, with a little knowledge for us. In Phantom Menace, you're watching these two Jedi in their prime fight this evil villain. What's at stake is really how Anakin's going to turn out. Because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi, and you get that in the movie. And Qui-Gon is fighting because he knows he's the father that Anakin needs. Because Qui-Gon hasn't given up on the fact that Jedi are supposed to actually care and love, and that that's not a bad thing. The rest of the Jedi are so detached and they've become so political that they've really lost their way. Mm. And Yoda starts to see that in the second film. But Qui-Gon is ahead of them all. And that's why he's not part of the council. So he's fighting for Anakin. And that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, Anakin is gonna, his life is gonna be dramatically different. Qui-Gon loses, of course. And he's left with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan trains Anakin at first out of a promise he makes to Qui-Gon, not because he cares about him. When they get Anakin, when they find him on Tatooine, he says, why do I feel like we've found another useless life form? He's comparing Anakin to Jar Jar, and he's saying, this is a waste of our time. Why are we doing this? Why do you see importance in these creatures like Jar Jar Binks and this 10-year-old boy? This is useless. So he's a brother to Anakin eventually, but he's not a father figure. Mm. That's a failing for Anakin. He doesn't have the family that he needs. He loses his mother in the next film. He fails on this promise that he made, mother, I will come back and save you. So he's left completely vulnerable. And Star Wars ultimately is about family. So that moment in that 
movie, which a lot of people, I think, diminish into just all oh, just a cool lightsaber fight. But it's everything that the entire three films of the prequels hangs on is that one particular fight. And Maul serves his purpose, showing you again how the Emperor is completely self-serving. He doesn't care. He's just a tool and he's using people. And now he's going to use this child. That follows all the way through to the line which terrified me as a kid when the Emperor tells Luke, you, like your father, are now mine. Also, it's amazing when you watch Return of the Jedi that Luke has never done anything that I would call it like he's a bad character. He has like a tendency to be dark. And a lot of people wanted Anakin. Oh, he should have been darker as a character. It's not true at all. I believed Luke would turn to the dark side in Return of the Jedi. I believe that was on the table. I believe that he would kill the Emperor. And because of the way George arranged the story, I knew that was the wrong thing to do. When he's saying, you want your weapon, strike me down, I am defenseless. He wants him to give into his anger. He wants him to give in his hate. And the fear, the structure that George has laid out in all the movies is coming to fruition now. And the only thing that's going to save him is not his connection to the Force. It's not the powers he's learned. It's not all these things that are an advantage to him. That's gotten him to the table. But what saves Luke is his ability to look at all that and look at his father and say, no, I'm going to throw away this weapon. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let that go and be selfless. And he says, you know, I am a Jedi like my father before me. But what he's really saying, and why we connect, I connect so powerfully to it, is like he's saying, I love my father. And there's nothing you can do that's going to change that. And Anakin then in that moment has to decide to be the father that he's never had. He has to give up all the power in the galaxy and save his son. And that's the selfless act that he does in return for his son. And that's what saves him in turn. So the, the son said, the father, the father says, the son. And it works out perfectly. And I draw that line all the way from Phantom Menace to Jedi. That's the story of Star Wars. Dave Filoni. Thanks for stopping by, Dave. <laughs> all I'm going to say is that how long was that? Three minutes, maybe? Yeah. Those three minutes gave me more thoughts, feelings, and emotions than all two hours and 20 minutes of The Phantom Minutes <laughs> has ever given me in a single viewing, ever. So I get it, but we're also talking about movies and watching movies, and I just I like to enjoy the films I'm watching <laughs> and get some type of emotional response from the film that I'm watching. But if you were a kid when you watched The Phantom Menace, you not only liked it, but you liked Jar Jar even. I watch prequel fans, young, you know, kids now in their 20s or even teenagers, talk so much shit to adult sequel fans about how the prequels are better and the sequels are shit. And they're so connected to those because they watch them in their formative years. So it's really hard for us as adults to see that kind of stuff objectively. I agree. Or look at this whole thing objectively. I agree with that completely. I just think everything Filoni just said is he was, he was pulling out all of the things that should have been scripted and acted and performed to provide the impact of a line that's going to start there and go all the way to Jedi. So I get that what's in the film can't be left out, but unfortunately it doesn't change my feelings about the film. And after finding this version of a watching order that does leave it out, that I do think streamlines the story of Luke and Anakin better. But if you're a kid, you don't see it that way, though. An 11-year-old is going to be like, oh, this is really fun. I want to race in a pod. Yeah, but well, okay. Like, then, what's, board. then what's the best option, consensus, whatever you want to say, for everyone? Because you can't, it can't be just me showing it to my friend who's never seen it before or you showing it to an 11-year-old. And I know... 
that showing it to someone our age for the first time, if the first 20 minutes of A New Hope are tough, when is the first 20 minutes of Phantom Menace going to be for someone our age? So what's a version of a watch order similar to Harry Potter for me that can keep it exciting all the way through? Well, if you've never seen Star Wars, you don't have any expectations for what the prequels should be and what kind of movies these should be. So if you start with a kid's movie that happens to have some weird politics, they're like, okay, this is kind of cool. That part at the end with that dude with the red makeup, that was really sick. Okay, what's the next one? And they just keep getting better. If the requirement is to show all the films and you stick The Phantom Menace last, that's not going to help anything. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but it's, it's, the, if you make it supplemental the, at the end. The issue is, which is, I guess, parallel to what Ryan's saying when he was way more into Filoni talking for three minutes than the entirety of Phantom Menace is it's all there and the story is awesome. You just needed to tell it better, you know, because listen to what Filoni just said. It's like, I want to watch that movie. Well, technically that's what it all I'm exists already. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where's so, that I mean, one? But that's, that's the beauty of Star Wars and why we get to have a podcast and there's yeah. a giant universe out there is that it's, it's all there and you get to kind of put your own gravity into it all. But think about this though. Again, expectations we only know that movie didn't give us the same kind of feelings that Filoni's speech did because of the age that we were when we watched the movies and the expectations that we had i was thinking about this earlier and we've said this in so many words on the podcast before lucas claims to have made a movie for kids when he made a new hope but what he actually did in my opinion was make a movie for someone exactly his age with exactly the same viewing history the same interests and um childhood as him he made a movie for a 20 some odd year old dude he made a movie for the inner child right so he didn't make something that was corny and for kids in some ways it was but it was more just like fun than it was kid-ish and in going back to make the prequels he made an actual kids movie growing up getting older having kids himself that lack of awareness of where he was when he made the original it's just like we talked about trying to make a song that sounds like your first album that blew up. It's damn near impossible to get back in that headspace. So it's really tough because they're not for kids. They just happen to be cool to kids, like we talked about mm-hmm. as well. So in creating our own first order for someone to watch, if we have to include all of right, them. So amending mine then to make Adam happy for the kids. <laughs> I would just put episode one for the kids. after Empire Strikes Back. I would go A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, and then the sequel trilogy. I would just do all three of the prequels instead of just two and three, as the machete order yeah. states. So that you still are going back after Empire, right after the I Am Your Father reveal to, I mean, I guess make it in more dramatic fashion to a nine-year-old version of Darth Vader, you know, yeah. right away. And it's like, okay, boom, we're going to get this backstory and then going back. Here's the tough thing, though. While, while I fully agree with the idea of getting more in the action with episode two earlier on, right? In my order of what I, of my favorites, episode two is dead last. But it's, it's second to last for above Phantom Menace for me. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's, I, I'm happy I, that you I can't feel that take way. the one, but, I can't take the one duel of the fates to account for the entire, the first two hours of the movie. I can't do it. Well, it's not just Duel of the Fates, it's Qui-Gon as a character, and then his importance in all the stuff outside of the films. I feel like it's one of Liam Neeson's weakest performances as an actor in his entire career. But the whole point of this exercise is how to lay out the story. Yeah, true. Performance aside. 
And when you watch all of Clone Wars, it becomes even more important to keep Qui-Gon in there. And if it is the most kid-ish film, and then episode two is, you know, also right there next to last for you, for any of us, I say just get those out of the way at the beginning and then get into the great stuff. You know what I mean? Yours was, yours was one, two, four, right? Yeah. So that, so that the, so the Luke and Leia reveal is not given away. Right. Delayed gratification. And mine to you, mine to yours, we're trading Yoda for that. That's, that's the reveal kind of, or like the backstory reveal sort of version that we're trading. Yeah. 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 I would just, no matter what it is, rather watch the stuff that's like, oh, this is cool, but I hear the great stuff is coming later. That's what I've been told. Yeah. Versus like, like, I mean, yeah. Like, honestly, when we've hashed out the whole discussion, it actually makes me kind of just like, yeah, okay, put them first. I want to get to the good stuff. So if that's what you do to accomplish that, then I'm on board for it. I mean, that was my thinking. Aside from like all the reasoning of it, like introducing the universe, whatever, it's equal parts, get the not as good stuff out of the way. And then the logic of the story logistics. Would we be there kind of narrating the person watching it for the first time? Yeah, potentially. Or is this there in a room? Because that, that changes things too, I think. Yeah, potentially between films. If I could like, be like, oh wait, watch this part, watch this part. Yeah. Or even just like, here's your previously on Star Wars. And then yeah. pay attention to this when this next one goes. Okay, don't move. <laughs> you got to pee first. All right. <laughs> Remember this guy. Yeah, circumstances and variables in, in this scenario could affect as well. But I don't know, <laughs> man. Finding a, like one that we're all three going to be like, that's the one. I think is next to impossible. Yeah. I think the idea that we agree there are things that are beneficial about all of them, and it's kind of a matter of taste, you know? This debate could go on with fans around the world for eternity. I mean, there can't be a definitive viewing order, you know? If you're the person recommending, I think that a lot of this comes from your personality, you know what I mean? And your, Mm -hmm. your experience with Star Wars and, like, what you want that experience to be for the person you're watching it for watching it with right for the first time and in that respect i think the idea of generational viewing orders is a great idea because watching episode one with an 11 year old is going to be great it's going to be awesome pod racing is going to rip the duel of fates is going to yeah. blow their mind you know all that it's going to be and then right into attack of the clones even if you've watched it in episode order which is a terrible idea to give away you know the greatest mic drop in film history but it's like you go right in episode two with, with spaceships and battle droids. And I mean, it would just be mind blowing for an 11 year old kid. But on the flip side of that, watching it with a friend of mine, who's 40 years old and going to be seeing it for the first time. I think the nostalgia of the seventies and early eighties in the first ones will land. And then being able to narrate, as Nick said, a little bit prefacing like, all right, we're going to jump into these for some backstory heads up. (laughs) You'd like them a lot better if you were 11, you know? So I think it comes down to like who you're with and what experience you want them to have. But no matter what, we can agree that you cannot blow the I am your father thing. Yes. That has to come before episode three, no matter what order you watch them in. Otherwise. Guard that moment with your life. Yeah. So I think we have kind of established like a, an outline of sort of the two versions. There kind of is one that's really safe for younger kids. If you're watching it with your kids for the first time, watching, as Adam said, one, two, four. I don't know if I agree with Rogue One right there because of like taking a kid's mind out of the story that quick instead of following mm-hmm. the Skywalker yeah. saga, you know, but either way, one, two, four, five, three, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Everybody follow that? And then Rogue One and Solo. Yeah. 
And then Rogue One and Solo, as they should be, I think, as like fun post Skywalker saga backstory adventures that you watch. And then, but Solo is so sweet, and you mentioned this after Empire. Empire, yeah. While Han's frozen in carbonite, that's a perfect time to go get yeah. his backstory. But if you don't fall in love with whatever viewing order, then it's not for you. And if you do, right. then you're gonna watch it again, which leads me to Nick's point, which is very similar, kind of to mine. Was you know original trilogy, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy kind of vibe then go back and watch, you know, the the original trilogy again. You're going to want to do that anyways. And so that's yeah. kind of the release order sort of can work for adults as well too. But I think I really just took this assignment as if I was the showrunner and this was essentially a TV show, what is the best order to tell the story, the most fun, thinking about flashbacks. Right. Thinking about it like writing Lost, like I'm... Damon Lindelof, and when are we going to do Kate's backstory? You know what I mean? like, yeah, it makes it makes Rogue One in your ver in your watch order a flashback within A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Like if you could make that whole thing a one hour episode of TV with a flashback in it, that's what you're doing. It just happens to be a right. four and a half hour long episode. Right. So we didn't really agree on anything. We agreed on some things. I, I mean, on a definitive. Sorry, that's not what I want to say. <laughs> so we didn't agree on a single definitive viewing order, but I think we offered some solid options for different ages and like different types of viewing experiences for sure. We will obviously put these orders in the show notes. Yeah. Should we actually have people vote on it afterwards? Yes. If you're a patron, you know, after we air this episode, we're going to send you a poll with each of our viewing orders and you can vote on which one you think is best. And we'll also do our best to find something or if anyone knows of something where everyone could submit their own and then based on the scores that each of them get, it assembles, the algorithm assembles what the actual <laughs> most voted upon <laughs> order is. Somebody help us find that. I'm sure it's a website somewhere. And we'll, uh, we'll do that for patrons. We'll get a consensus among our little mini community. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to end where we're going to end because <laughs> there's no full consensus. So let's wrap up. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we tried so hard. What's a little fun bit? Bring it back to Tashi Station. I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Come on, let's go. Ryan, you've got some new Star Wars stuff you want to tell us about, correct? Yeah, uh, I'm in a vinyl record black hole right now. <laughs> so to tell that story briefly, probably five years ago, I would say maybe, my father gave me all of his records. It was hundreds of records. And a lot of them are, were... My grandfather, his dad, I never met him. He died when I was like three weeks old, but he was a jazz musician oh, well. and um, like had a big band. He was the band leader, super talented, but apparently he was neurotic. I'm a band leader like my grandfather before me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, he was neurotic about, about his records. Like, so, he, you know, he had all these old amazing jazz records and he built his own Macintosh amplifier and had the, the living room tuned and he had the chair, he would move the chair. Apparently my grandmother would get super pissed at the like <laughs> divots in the floor <laughs> from the chair where he yeah, would, he yeah. would leave it in the carpet in the same spot every night with his drink and listening to records. And so I got all these records and dude, there's some crazy old jazz records in there that are like in mint condition. It's really cool. Um, and then my dad had all these old cool seventies and eighties rock record. I mean, I got Zeppelin records and Beatles records and 
uh, Jimi Hendrix. He gave me this one Jimi Hendrix record that I had. No, I was looking on Discogs the other day. It's worth like 250 bucks. It was just in the box, you know. Oh, wow. So there's lots of cool stuff in there. And I finally, when I I just moved into a new house in, in Florida, and I was like, I'm gonna get a record player and I'm gonna start going through these and and seeing what it's all about. I've never been into vinyl, but I I want I have it, so let's do it. So I got a record player and I started listening to them, and I realized how much I loved the process of taking it out of the sleeve and cleaning the record and mm-hmm. sitting there with a glass of wine and, and just listen. I mean, I'm still doing the quarantine thing pretty seriously, especially now in Florida. So yeah. I'm spending a lot of time on my own. So I, at night, you know, like when we're done with the podcast or whatever, I just will chill with a glass of wine and listen to records. But that nonetheless has led me to just a spending spree on like records I want of my own favorite artists and stuff. So I made a point to seek out all of the Star Wars soundtracks, whether it be like cool variants of vinyl color or like original pressings from back in the day. So I have them all. The collection is finished. The three, I think that are coolest, I would say for my Tashi Station edition are, I have Return of the Jedi and The Empire Strikes Back, both on original pressings from 80, 80 and 83. And they're both like, don't even pop there. It's amazing. And then I got this um, 40 year anniversary box set for A New Hope that comes with this full color, coffee table size book it's like an inch and a half thick the, the box set with the violin and it's a book with um just the story of the score and john williams journey to star wars and how it was made and it's got all these crazy photos you've never seen before and i haven't read the book yet but like that's a thing you know i'm gonna sit down and listen to the soundtrack with a with a cocktail and read the book and i'm super excited about that old man activity i just listed <laughs> but uh That's it's dope. been really cool man and, and listening to the star wars soundtracks on vinyl it's awesome i've really enjoyed it dude you got to get the uh the radio drama oh yeah on vinyl yeah, for sure i'm sure that i can find that That'd on discogs one. discogs if you don't know top for the tashi station is an app and website that is sort of like the hub for the world in trading and exchanging and selling records not just vinyl records, but music in general. Vinyl eBay. Um, and that's, it's dangerous because you just go, I'll, I'll just be sitting there and a record will pop into my head. Oh yeah, that one would be cool. And then I look it up and there's the regular, you know, $25 one. And then there's like limited edition clear with purple splatter for $300. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's dangerous. So beware. That's there sick. is a, I guess, to transition into my Tashi station, there's an app like that called My Toy Box, which is uh, specifically Star Wars toys. And it helps me keep track of things that I have and things that I want as far as Star Wars Black Series. It also gives you a little bit of worth. I haven't tried to like trade or anything in it. I'm not sure if that's like an option inside this app, but definitely helps keep track of uh, the one kind of continuous series that I collect when it comes to Star Wars figures. But I'm not really Funko Pop guy anymore, which would be shocking because if you came into my house, there's plenty in my house, but I don't really buy them too much anymore. But I'm working on lawn gnomes that are the kind of like 10 inch Funko Pops. And I have lawn gnomes basically of Dio out front. Sick. That's just cute little Dio sitting in front of my front lawn. And I recently found the new uh, 10-inch Baby Yoda Funko Pop. So now oh, Dio yeah. and Baby Yoda are sitting in my front yard. Don't steal them. They're very <laughs> cute where they are. <laughs> Go but get your own. So every time I come home or leave my house, I'm just like, oh, hey, guys. All right. See you later. That's sick. You need to get a Lojack chip on those things, man. Yeah, I was like, how could I actually secure this? <laughs> Just, yeah, get like one of the microchips they put in the dogs and stick yeah. it on the bottom of it. <laughs> or you could electrify them. Get like an electric fence and just wire it right up their butts. <laughs> <laughs>
like Frank Oz's hand. <laughs> I've been listening to on Audible a book called The Secret History of Star Wars by Michael Kaminsky. It was written in 2008, and I'm not to the end of it, so I'm not sure. I mean, I would imagine he goes all the way through the prequels. But the coolest part about it so far is how much detail he goes into talking about Lucas's early life and what shaped him as a storyteller, as a filmmaker. He really didn't like writing at all. He got into writing just out of necessity. He didn't get into the Joseph Campbell stuff and all of that great stuff that made him this modern myth maker until later in his growth as a filmmaker. So it's really, really interesting. And you hear about his process, coming up with names for characters. It talks about how that was kind of an early brainstorming process. He would have all these different character names, who they were in the story, what they did, where they were from, all this kind of stuff. And you find out that there are names like Mace Windu that came from stuff he wrote in like 74. The name Valorum came from that time as well. There's all these sweet names that he just held on to until the very end. Stuff that they've Gary Vader came from the guy who threw him into his locker and P. Yeah. It's just so sweet. And listening to it on audio, I, you know, I cut the grass or do whatever I'm doing and get to enjoy it and just go deeper into the nerd hole as I do my chores. So just to (laughs) recap how dated we have become in this episode of Tashi Station, Nick has lawn gnomes. You're mowing the grass, listening to audiobooks, and I'm sipping a cocktail, listening to vinyl, reading a book. Listening to uh, obscure Jimi Hendrix albums. I mean, yeah, I am. Well, uh, now it's past our bedtime. Yep. And we're going to wrap up this podcast. If you're looking for the podcast on the internet, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker1. My personal stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine is at William Ryan Key. And uh, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Nick Bayside. Check that out. Most importantly, on the internet, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. If you want to contribute anything, any tier will do. If you want to be involved in, in surveys, vote on segments, anything we do like that, that would be the Padawan tier. If you want to be a part of AMAs and cooler stuff, that's the Jedi tier. But regardless, get involved. It really, truly does help us out. This has become my part-time job editing this thing. So a few bucks to make my wife think I'm not just like a nerd with a ponytail in my basement (laughs) playing with Star Wars toys. It's cool, guys. Help me feel like a real adult and get paid more than six bucks to make this podcast. So that's going to wrap us up. And I also want to say it's good to see you dudes. It's been a minute. Yeah, man. Great to see you. We're not front-loaded anymore, so we have to see each other like every few days again which is great. I like that. I'm kind of just stoked to, you know, now that we're done with movies and stuff, we get to come up with fun topics like this. So yeah, feel free, especially on Patreon. If you have any ideas for topics, let it rip, let us know. Let it rip. And until next time, may the force be with you. Mm